Hello and welcome to the Digital Lighthouse. I'm Zoe Cunningham. On the Digital Lighthouse, we get inspiration from tech leaders to help us to shine a light through turbulent times. We believe that if you have a lighthouse, you can harness the power of the storm. Today, I'm super excited to welcome Rebecca Kemp, who is the Director of Customer Journey at Citizens Advice. And she was recently announced as one of the Beamer 100, a list of the biggest influencers in digital. Hi, Rebecca, and welcome to the Digital Lighthouse and congratulations. Hi, Zoe. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, thank you for that. I was really chuffed to be in the Beamer 100. Can I ask you to start by telling us a bit about your current role and about Citizens Advice? Absolutely. Citizens Advice, lots of people will have have heard of, but perhaps won't be aware of the full scope of what we do. We are a network of 280 independent charities And what we do is provide advice to people who need it to help them solve their problems. And we also advocate on behalf of our clients to help stop those problems happening again. And we provide advice online. We provide it in person. We provide it on the phone. And we provide that advice through a mixture of paid staff and volunteers. My role is in the national organisation. And as you said, my title is Director of Customer Journey. That's quite an unusual title. In fact, I think I might be the only director of Customer Journey, or at least I'm certainly the only one that I have met. So what I do is a mix of what you would usually find in a digital team and in a design and particularly a service design team. So my team and I are interested in direct delivery of digital advice experimentation and innovation across all our channels and also the customer experience for all our users and all our services. Thank you Rebecca. So that sets the scene. So actually the scope of citizens advice is very large and it's very complex and so you've got this job tying up the technology across all of those different organizations and also helping them to expand and find new ways to do things or new ways to serve their end clients that perhaps they're not aware of. That's exactly right. And that is a particular challenge and something where we're responding particularly quickly in the current context that we're in and with the changes to all of our ways of working and to the way that people want to interact with services as a result of COVID-19. Okay, great. So let's talk a bit more about that then, about the current situation and how that is affecting citizens' advice in particular. So obviously, I don't think there can be a single business that is unaffected, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, but lots of businesses are being affected in different ways. So businesses with large physical presences, some of them are being shut down completely. Other people, to talk about the positive cases, Zoom, for example, are doing very well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Times are turbulent for them in a different way. How is it for citizens' advice? You're right that there are different challenges and different things being experienced by different organisations. And I also think there are lots of different things being experienced even within one organisation. So for citizens' advice, at the broadest level, thinking across the service, There has been amazing work done to pause our face-to-face delivery of advice to clients and shift that to being delivered online and uh, whether that's web chat or messaging and over the phone. And that's been an amazing response from our 
volunteers and our paid staff across the country, which has been absolutely incredible. And for which I have to say myself and my team have been in a supporting role in that the the stars are the people across the network. We've also seen changes in the types of problem that people are coming to us with. Those changes happened particularly rapidly in the first days and weeks as people started to understand what coronavirus was, how COVID-19 might affect them, and then the things that the government provided in response to that. And we would see that those issues change on a daily basis, what people were looking for help for. With a peak every every evening after five o'clock after the government announcement and with different things that people were looking for, whether it was what if my flight had been cancelled, then thinking about redundancy, then thinking about furlough when people had got the head round that term and wanted to understand what it was. We've seen a dramatic change in the kind of advice that people are coming to us for and the speed of that change. Drilling down another level, so thinking about the customer journey team, my team, I've got to say it's been really challenging to move to us all working remotely as default. Lots of us were used to working from home one day a week, maybe a couple, but we, like lots of others, are getting our heads around what it's like to be a remote by default team. And I have to take my hat off to the team and how amazing they've been in terms of their commitment and getting things done while adjusting to this new circumstance. That's fascinating. I think I was expecting this idea of serving people in a different way because obviously face-to-face is not possible anymore. So that has to change. But actually this idea of moving from a time where I guess before the pandemic, you had abroad, I imagine, but relatively static set of things that people would be interested in and would come to talk to you about. Whereas this idea that actually we're moving to it being really rapid changes that week by week people want to know different things. Yes, absolutely. Things are changing week in and week out. And for the first few weeks, things were actually changing within 24 hours. And it's been really interesting to see how the kind of top pages on our website have changed and how rapid that has been. So for example, early on, kind of mid-March, there was a spike in people looking for help if they can't pay their bills because of coronavirus, as people started to understand what it might mean for their employment or their financial situation. Then a couple of days later, our pages around checking what benefits you can get, particularly in the context of coronavirus, that became our almost our most used page. Then later, it was what do you do if your employer has told you not to work? And throughout that, there's been up and down spikes on redundancy pay. And it's been a real challenge for our team, our content designers, our policy and advice and legal experts, and also, of course, the advisors across the country to really keep up with that and be able to make sure that we're giving accurate advice and we're meeting people's needs as quickly as possible. And that's where I have to say the fact that we work in an agile way has really paid dividends, at least for my team, because we are quite used to using lots of different sources of data. We're set up to be able to respond to things quite quickly. And the fact that we were used to that has really helped us be in this position to be able to accelerate in the crisis we're experiencing. 
Mm, fantastic. So I want to come on to talk about like what has changed and what you have changed within your business. But before we get to that, what have you learned? So what do you now know as a result of living through these turbulent times that you didn't before, like organisationally? I think we have learned that it is possible for us to work remotely by default and still be able to provide a service to our clients. That's not to say it's easy and it's not to say we're always doing it perfectly. But I reckon if we'd said to ourselves six months ago, could we all work remotely? What if we weren't all in these offices? It would have just seemed an impossible idea, but we've proved to ourselves that that is possible. It's not perfect. There's things we are missing and there are things that we need to find new ways to do. But I feel that the experiences has really shown that that's possible. Equally, we've shown or proven to ourselves that we are in lots of ways an organisation that is capable and confident in digital and technology and that that is really a backbone for our service. I've talked about how we have moved to providing a lot more online advice and a lot more phone advice and we've managed to keep the service running even through these changing times. And a lot of that is made possible, of course, by the amazing people that we have, but also we have some really usable and stable technologies and digital services that underpin all of what we do that's made that possible. Mm. So you've kind of discovered the value of what was already there that may not have been fully appreciated. Absolutely. And also learned that you can build on that and work in a totally different way. Absolutely. Let's maybe talk a bit about your users. So have the types of people using your service changed? Because definitely my impression of citizens advice is that it had to be face to face because the kind of people it was serving would not be able to move online. That would have been my impression before the current time. Yes, I can completely see why you would have that impression. And one of the things that my team have been working on before this crisis and with renewed vigour within it is moving to a more nuanced understanding of what accessible services are or what inclusion means for service design. To give an example, yes, lots of people would jump quite naturally to the conclusion that for perhaps certain groups of users, being able to go face to face and see someone and talk to them is the only way to make a service accessible. And to be clear, that is true for lots of people. And that's why face to face will remain a really important part of our provision, even though at the moment we're not able to do that for safety reasons during the pandemic. But what we have also found, and this is with particular credit to some of the user researchers in my team, is that if you look at something like web chat, which on the surface might seem less accessible, actually for different users with different needs, it does provide a really accessible channel. For example, if people are using Google Translate at the same time, if they're, if English is their second, third or fourth language, actually it can be really advantageous to be having that conversation with an advisor in text form and online. Equally, if people aren't able to travel or if perhaps they have caring responsibilities, it can be easier to do chats or phone than it is to go face to face. Or if there's no 
local bus route or the bus is prohibitively expensive. And equally for people who are who need a face to face service, what we're trying to do is dig into the reasons why people really need that. So rather than thinking of a bunch of people as kind of face to face users or vulnerable users, look behind that and see what is the detail of the need that people have so that we can make sure our face to face services really serve them well. Fantastic. So it's been a lot of learning by the sounds of it. That's a good summary. (laughs) So what are you changing or have changed already within your organisation and also in terms of the way that you do things? Mm. I'll start with a really kind of personal take on, on that in terms of what what am I changing or what have I learned in terms of leadership, I've definitely found the need to communicate more and find ways to make communication as personal as possible. I really miss just bumping into colleagues and being able to ask them what they're doing or thank them for a piece of work that I know that they've done. And so I'm interested in finding ways to replicate that through sharing feedback online, through recording videos, to give that sense of personal connection, even when we're when we're not together. So that's been a big learning for me, over communicating and then not just doing that in a broadcast way, which is certainly what I was doing in the first few weeks, but but thinking about how can I supplement that with more personal connection with people so that we we have that sense of being a, a team. A reason why that's really important to me is that I feel in my team, we're definitely reaping what we've sown in terms of team building, in terms of having a, a a clear mission and so we're really doubling down on the kind of things that we would do in terms of all team sessions and shows and tells and that kind of thing we are finding new ways to do that and we're adapting by doing them online some of it works when we translate it to online some of it doesn't and so we're we're iterating all the time but that's something that I've learned the importance of and I'm still learning how to adapt to Uh, Just to jump in, could you give me an example maybe of something that you could just port straight online and it worked really well and something that you had to change? Mm. I guess the other thing that's quite interesting is what kind of technologies are you using? Are you using new platforms to work on that? So we've been using some online post-it note platforms, obviously post-it notes being something that... don't immediately translate to remote working. Yeah, of course, for keen post-itters like our teams, it is a challenge to be to be doing that kind of thing online. So we've been using things like Mural and Google Jamboards. They are tools that perhaps have been used by a few people, but we're now using more widely across the team. We were relatively set up with things like Google Suite and Slack and Trello so we were fortunate as a team to already have lots of those kind of things in place and so lots of our ways of working we sort of just continued what we were doing there are definitely things that we've changed though particularly thinking about how we structure meetings particularly when they're big all-hand sessions with big teams so we are making sure that we have a lot more breaks we're offering a lot more kind of different formats for people rather than just having us all in a in a room or a virtual room together 
for example, when we have what we call them away days, they're actually sort of two hour sessions that we have once a month for the whole of the customer journey team. Whereas previously, most of us had just been in a room together. Now we are sticking to the fact that it's a small number of hours and all of us together, but we really chopped up the format. So there will be a mixture of some pre-recorded videos, some live sessions, some discussion groups, some mural boards, some time to read and reflect. And we are breaking things up in that way to stop hangout fatigue from everyone just staring at a camera and staring at a screen all day. And also to try and provide space for people to interact in different ways and have breaks because we all need breaks. Right. And also it kind of, you're addressing the fact that when you go into a room together, you are all together and it's all very well. You talked about broadcast communication of like one to many and obviously one to one is quite straightforward, but actually getting that feeling of all being in a room together, not all being on a call while someone talks, is really important. Yeah, it's really important to be much more, I don't want to say curated because it's so corny, orchestrated, thoughtful in how you plan those events. And I have to say, it's been the team that I've been learning from on, on this. I can take no credit. And I'm always so kind of thrilled and interested to see what they come up with for these events. And yes, it's a real challenge to think about how can you create that in a way that everyone is is feels like they're together and feels like they're participating so now we tend to have less of that time actually and more time broken up into groups or activities as I've explained but what is lovely is to see how happy everybody is when we're all in that moment where it's all of us together kind of waving at each other and and having a bit of chaos in the conversation as we're all excited to be together they are some of my favorite moments although a little a little chaotic in terms of who contributes and how <laughs> so finally let's just talk a bit about what this means for the future of citizens advice because we've talked about the enforced essentially learning and change that has happened and you've also mentioned several times that face-to-face advice has to return to form a part of your system. So what is citizens' advice going to look like going forward? And perhaps also, what's it going to look like in the tech team at citizens' advice going forwards? So in terms of what the service looks like in future, I think what we have is a really strong core. We have a sense as an organisation of how we can help people and what our strengths are and where we can really make an impact For me, the changes that we're going through have really shone a light on how can we make sure our provision meets our users' needs and our mix of channels and the way that our services are designed are most impactful and really hit the precise needs that that people have. So myself and and the customer journey team, we think of of our services as, as being in a kind of perpetual state of iteration anyway. And we will we will definitely continue in that spirit. What we are seeing is the innovation, prototyping, rapid experimentation methodologies that we often find more in digital services. We're now embedding those in different parts of the organisation and working more closely with people across the network and operational colleagues. I say we're embedding that. It makes it sound a bit like we are going out and trying to change the way that they're working. Actually, 
what's happening is that there are so many ideas and so much energy across the network and the operations colleagues that what we're able to do is bring in some methodologies, some skill sets that can help turn all those great ideas into reality. And so we're seeing much more of that iterative, agile approach to work happening across our different channels. And that, for me, is really exciting. What it means is I can't tell you what I think the future exactly looks like. And I'm okay with that because what I'm confident about is that we as a team, as an organisation, as a network, will keep figuring that out together and improving what we do based on the stable and solid core that we have. In terms of customer journey, data and technology, we as one, you know, three different teams, but one area of the organisation, we are really consolidating our ways of working, looking at how we can be most collaborative and impactful across our different disciplines. And we're also continuing to expand the team and hire, which is in itself an interesting challenge as we're starting to hire people remotely and we'll be starting to onboard people remotely as well. That is fantastic. I can't think of a better beacon, <laughs> to, to use my lighthouse analogy, to, <laughs> to guide us through this idea of learning and and having the crisis be a reminder of how important user need is and yeah an excuse to go back to that and say Mm -hmm. every service every channel what is the user need and introducing new ones and refining the old ones so I thought that was that was great when you said about reintroducing face-to-face but making sure that it's meeting specific needs not just well we all know what it is so it'll carry on in that way Absolutely. And it's a passion that is something that I particularly enjoy about working at at Citizens Advice is that everyone is here to help people solve their problems and to advocate on behalf of our service users. And we come at it from lots of different skill sets with everyone having something to add. And because of the state of crisis that we that we find the world in, I think what is happening is that we are all perhaps open to thinking about things a bit differently we are working across teams we are forming new connections because the environment in which we're working has changed and that for me is really exciting I really passionately believe in agile principles like having multidisciplinary teams about devolving decision making to teams and empowering people to take decisions themselves and design and deliver services in the way that they know is right from their first-hand experience. So for me, it's a happy coincidence that lots of those principles are things that you will also find in, in crisis response or in times when people need to adapt very quickly. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Thank you for coming on the show and helping us to shine a light for others. Thank you for having me.